From Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. And here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show, 91.7 KLZR, and around the world as a podcast. Remember, there are a lot of great ways to catch this show. Also on YouTube and Rumble, Matt West here hanging out with you, talking cars. But we've got a really packed show. Uh, Toyota decides to debut the all-new 2024 Tacoma, and it has truly been blessed, truly, by the gods of cars and the gods of of enthusiast cars because it's a Tacoma, it's boosted, and it has a manual. So that is good. That's really exciting. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about how another street takeover maybe takes things just a little too far. Uh, Hyundai decides to pay owners uh, who are victims of the Kia Boys Challenge. Uh, they decide to pay these owners money instead of, you know, actually fixing the problem. So it's far from an actual fix, but it is a uh, step in the right direction. Oh, yeah. And we're going to talk about EVs. Yeah, this is fun. A uh, senator made an interesting point on EVs. I'm going to play that sound clip. That is all here as well as your car sounds on this edition of the show. Now, uh, I, I like I said, I'm trying to keep my volume down a little bit. I'm probably <laughs> I'm probably not doing a very good job of it. But that being said, um, viewers of Rumble uh, and YouTube, I've already noticed that something is amiss. Something is wrong. Gone in the background is the uh, are the broken project cars, my disorganized garage, all of the above. And, and in its place is a crisp, clean, nice hotel room. Yes, and th this is actually here. This set change um, is actually from a long and thoroughly researched marketing decision. Yes, it is. Because what researchers have found is that Viewers appreciate the cleanliness in the non-grease-stained walls like my garage. They appreciate the cleanliness of a, a hotel room with the bland and boring off-white walls. And not only do viewers appreciate it, the online algorithms do too. And that's that's who we're really going for here. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just kidding. But um, uh, not about the hotel room, though. Uh, I am on the road for work. And I decided to bring the show with me. I smuggled my microphone and a couple other things through the TSA, and uh, and I'm I'm here in sunny Florida uh, for work. And I decided to bring the show here, do it for you while I'm on the road. Now I say sunny Florida. If you're looking in the background of the video, it's um, it's not very sunny. It's very cloudy actually. It's uh, I've I've got the window behind me. And there, I haven't seen any sun here. It's been raining the entire week. If anything, this morning now has been the sunniest I've seen, and I would call it mostly cloudy instead of partly sunny. It's still, it's still pretty darn cloudy, and it's been raining the entire, <laughs> the entire time. Um, also, in the background, you may notice um, you might see parts of Disney World back there. I, my hotel is just a uh, stone's throw away from Disney here. And I am taking a major risk even having something related to the mouse in the background of this video. I mean, Disney is notorious for, uh, for, for lawsuits and things like that, and intellectual property stuff. I mean, really, I'm taking a major risk here just for you. Um, and I, I am expecting lawsuits, and I suspect the uh, secret mouse police will be knocking on my door uh, any minute to uh, take me away. So um, you should join the Speed Council, fund my legal fees through the Speed Council, so we can continue doing, <laughs> doing this show here. Though, that said, you know, even though I've, I am here for work, I've been having fun. Uh, and, and I did go see 
I did go to Disney World. We did a uh, after hours uh, with some work colleagues, some after hours Disney Park tour stuff, which was fun. And uh, no one thought my jokes about the Millennium Falcon not having VTech were funny. It was just me. I was the only one who thought they were funny, but that's what counts. So <laughs> I also saw some other stuff there. I was I was looking for fun car stuff. They've got an old, old Chevy tow truck right at the front gate area there, which is cool. You know, kind of this 50s aesthetic. It was, it was an actual truck, too, not a, not a set piece. So I, I was going around looking for car stuff, and everyone thought I was nerd, a nerd and that I'm, that I'm weird because I, I probably am. So <laughs> anyway, but hey, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about Toyota, the new Tacoma, as well as street takeovers, maybe going a little too far. That's coming up right here after the break. In these trying times, the Speed Council needs your support. Well, mostly your money. All right, just the money. Join our Patreon today at thespeedcouncil.org to get exclusive benefits when you support Automotive ADHD. All right. Those car sounds, even on the road, I brought the car sounds with me so I could play them right here. Yeah, that was Bailey with uh, his 17 Focus ST rocking it right there. Remember, you can send those car sounds into the show, and uh, and you should send your car sounds into the show. I encourage you to do so because I play them right here on the podcast and on the radio. It's it's kind of cool. Like, you, How many of your friends have had their cars on the radio and on this podcast that I, I'm told someone listens to? So <laughs> you listen to it at least. So, so uh, that is good. Send those car sounds. And you also have a chance to win cool stuff when you do. Facebook.com slash automotive ADHD is the uh, is the place to send those car sounds in and and you're missing out if you don't so um, and you can win as I mentioned some of those uh, interesting items I've got the automotive ADHD keychain I've got the stickers and maybe even a $25 parts store gift card so just a little drop in the bucket helping your project car whatever maybe your daily driver down the road I'm here to help you out so um, that is uh, very cool so you should do it. You should do it. That's that's the <laughs> moral of the story. So, hey, speaking of the state that I am in right now, uh, Florida, uh, I saw this on the, I saw this on the news here um, locally. Drunk Florida man. So you know you know the Florida man stories. I you may be familiar with that kind of kind of a meme. Uh, drunk Florida man. So not just regular Florida man, but drunk Florida man arrested for hitting a hundred and seventy one miles an hour on a motorcycle. A hundred and seventy-one. Oh my goodness, that's uh, that's that's pretty quick. Now, uh, that being said, now Florida is not a compulsory um, uh, helmet state, and uh, and so look, Florida has is one of these states that I I really like Florida. I think the car scene here has a lot of potential. There's a lot of different things. Um, hundred and seventy-one on a bike though is risky. It is risky. Now, they're not saying whether this man wore his helmet or not, but assuming I'm assuming he didn't. He was drunk and he was doing 171. Now, it's interesting is he passed police, uh, the first police officer doing 120, then a second police officer down the road doing 160, then a third police officer down the road 
doing 171. And uh, <laughs> it took a little bit of time, I guess, to, to build up some of the speed. And look, you know, you probably don't want to do that on the public roads. You know, I, you might want to wait for like a, a half mile event or something to do 171. But on a bike, maybe without a helmet. Like, let me just put this into perspective, right? Like, I love going fast as much as anyone else. And I'm sure maybe as a listener to this show, you enjoy things that are fast as well. I totally get it. 171 on a motorcycle on a public road. <laughs> that might that might be a little just a little much because look at it this way like you hit you so much as like like roll over a, a leaf or something and, <laughs> and and you could die i'm not saying that actually would happen but uh, i mean any and any crash even how minor it would be you know or whatever at 171 like i don't care if you are wearing a helmet you're just dead dead and more dead so <laughs> i don't know i don't know that i the second i get to florida there's a Florida man story there. Um, you know what? He didn't die, but he was charged with, here's the list, here's the list, uh, reckless conduct, reckless driving, aggravated driving, aggravated driving while intoxicated. Ooh, ooh, yeah, he's, uh, well, he's not having a good day now. I'll say that much. So uh, maybe, may, this is at least at the, at the very least, stay off of the alcohol on motorcycles. Alcohol, like DUIs and are really bad, and then motorcycles, adding a motorcycle to that, I mean, motorcycles are already dangerous if you're sober. And I get it. I ride a motorcycle, too. I love it. They're a hundred times more dangerous when you're sober. And you shouldn't be driving drunk anyway. Well, magnify that on a motorcycle. Everything's worse. I, I don't know. So, moral of the story. Uh, yeah, don't do not do that. <laughs> don't do that. So, anyway, that was just kind of a fun story I saw on the local news here while I was here. And... Uh, now, the next thing here I got to touch on, uh, Senator John Kennedy, um, in interesting guy, really interesting guy, current senator, not to be confused with President John F. Kennedy, uh, this is a different guy, but um, same same name, but uh, he made an, a, a really interesting point here, and, and I do have a sound clip here that I want to play you um, about EVs, and it really echoes some of my sentiments on EVs on this show. Now, I'll preface this by saying that I like EVs. They're fun. Uh, yeah, imagine me saying I like EVs, right? But I think they're fun, and I think they have a distinct purpose. And would I like to own one at one point? Yeah. Would I want it to be my only car? No, but I would like, I think it would be fun to make some sort of fast EV or have an EV pickup truck or, you know, something like that would be kind of fun, you know, experience it. Um, but there are drawbacks. There are benefits and drawbacks to every source of energy that we use. And it's interesting. Senator Kennedy here makes a really interesting point. So I'm going to play this sound clip for you here. And normally I have these queued up and, and ready to go ahead of time here. And uh, give me I'm on the road. So things are things are a little more challenging here. Uh, but let me just make sure there it is. Here he is. Ms. Hopper, I, I love solar energy. I just want you to know that. And I love electric cars. But i got to ask you this question. I've been waiting to ask this. Uh, if electric cars are so swell, how come government has to pay people to drive them? So I think, um, as, like most, most government policies, right, are, are put in place to incent certain behaviors. And so that's part of the policy is that if we want more yeah, electric cars... Yeah, but if cars, they're so swell, why couldn't they, in, just in a competitive market... You know, people, why wouldn't they be choosing electric cars over in, uh, internal combustion engine cars? I think why, why do we have to pay people to drive them? 
But I, don't, I wouldn't characterize it as paying people to drive them, but I would. Well, sure we are. We're giving them a big old tax credit. The government uh, having a policy to incent more uh, purchase of electric vehicles. Okay. Senator Stabenow. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Kennedy. Okay. So, yeah, you just heard that right there. That was about a minute long. And, um, and, and he makes a point, though. Why, if, they, if electric cars, if EVs are so swell, as he says, why are we still paying people to drive them? If they're so good, if they are such a end-all replacement, as we're told that they are for gasoline cars, um, well, why isn't everyone just running out and buying one then? And there's a number of reasons. The expense, the cost is, the, is there. Where There's also... Uh, you know, increased challenges and logistics when it comes to, uh, you know, charging them. And, you know, Tesla's got a great charging network. Tesla really does. They've really nailed that. But if you don't own a Tesla vehicle and you can't use their charging network, things are tough. I mean, a lot of these uh, different third-party charging networks have a lot of reliability issues. I've heard from folks and people who drive EVs that that it's a challenge in a lot of cases if you don't have a Tesla, right? So the thing with, like, my gas car is, it doesn't matter if I go fill up at a, uh, you know, fill the tank up at a, I don't know, a 7-Eleven or if I fill it up at a at a come and go or, a, you know, fill up 66. It doesn't matter. It's the same gas. Now, an electric car it does matter, though. Uh, and maybe in a few years it won't. It's it's all about integrating this and making it all work correctly. And it's still a it's still a developing technology. So I'll give it that. Uh, the tax credit, by the way, that Senator Kennedy is uh, referring to, and this comes straight from IRS.gov, um, it says here, uh, right here, that the tax credit is up to $7,500. Uh, this is under Revenue Code Section 30D, and that's if you buy a, quote, new qualified plug-in EV or fuel cell electric vehicle. Um, and this credit goes from 2023 to 2032. And so... In a sense, yeah, we're not actually writing people a check to go buy the car, but we're giving them seventy five hundred dollars off, and that is that is absolutely coming out of coming from the government there. So, I mean, he makes a really really interesting point, and and I think I could I could go into this in more depth, and I might do it here on another show because I'm running I'm running out of time. I also got a flight to catch after this, so we'll go more into this. He just brings up an interesting thought there, Senator Kennedy. With that, now coming up, we're going to talk about the next Tacoma. It's out, and it's got a turbo and a manual. I'll tell you about it right here in just a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, the Speed Council proudly presents Automotive ADHD, now on video. For better or for worse, subscribe to Automotive ADHD, now playing on YouTube and Rumble. All right, that is Evan Osborne with that car sound. Send those car sounds in. You can do it. Share them. I like playing them on the show. Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD. Check it out. Now, uh, hey, so coming up here, I got to roll through these topics because <laughs> I'm doing the show here. I'm looking at the clock. I got to catch a flight here like right after the show. So um, 
is I'm actually heading out of here now, but I've got other places that I got to go and uh, and be. So fun stuff. But the new taco, this it, traveling here can't stop me from talking about cars here. Uh, the new Tacoma, yeah, just re- released a couple days back, a little bit, I guess, a little bit last week, and in between shows here. And and I think this is a this is really cool. So the Tacoma, by the way, Toyota's midsize kind of small small pickup truck, uh, you know has had a long history here in the United States. It's been around for a long time. Um, it's been Toyota has had pickups out here for a long time, I should say. They haven't always been called the Tacoma, but nonetheless, these are really cool. And I, I have a slight bias here. I own a Tacoma, so <laughs> I'm a little biased. That's my daily driver because the darn thing just just works. That's not... That's not something I can say about my other cars. But um, that being said, the Tacoma has been currently really old. I mean, the current... 2023 Tacoma is based on a platform that Toyota has been using since like 2005. Now they did revisions, they did facelifts. They so you have, you know, first gen Tacoma, second gen Tacoma, third gen Tacoma as Tacoma owners like to call these things. And in 2005 you had them come out with the second generation Tacoma and you know and it was a really good truck it is and it's still a great truck uh you know and it's actually the generation I own I mine's a 2012 uh but regardless they're all mechanically kind of the same thing the frame is the same the suspension is the same the transmissions are for the most part the same the engines are really similar uh for the third gen Tacoma they went to uh, from a four-liter dual overhead cam VVT straight, or not straight six, I wish it was a straight six, a V6. Uh, they went from that to a 3.5-liter uh, V6 of relatively the same architecture. The, they went from the 1GRFE to the 2GRFE. So that was one minor difference they made. But but that being said, the um, the Tacoma, I mean, yeah, they've changed the interior. They've done some stuff. If you look carefully between a third gen and a second gen, though, you'll find similarities. You'll find shared parts. You'll find all this stuff. I mean, Toyota builds a reliable platform. They put a lot of R&D into making a reliable platform reliable, which that's a challenge in its own right. So they do that, and uh, and then they, you know, kind of kind of stick with it for a while. To- Toyota is sort of, I think they're known for not necessarily being the most innovative car brand. They're not coming out with new stuff every single year, every couple of years. It's more like every decade or so. And, and that's fair. And I respect Toyota for that because I sometimes when you're buying a car, you don't want the latest and greatest gadgets. You don't care about the latest and greatest gadgets. You just want the darn car to work and you want it to be reliable. You want to put 300,000 miles on the thing and and have relatively low maintenance. I mean, there's a there's a lot to be said with the way Toyota approaches things and their quality control and their R&D. Now, the new Tacoma, let's talk about the new one here because the new one, uh, completely redesigned. It uses a whole new architecture, whole new frame, whole new everything. It, it really doesn't share parts with the old one. And that's, that's pretty... That's pretty uh, interesting because, like I said, Toyota kind of likes to reuse stuff. They make something good and reliable, and they want to keep using it. Well, this new one is from the ground up. It is brand new, and I think it's a step in the right direction um, because they've improved a lot of things. They've improved suspension. The Tacoma now gets uh, coil 
rear uh, rear suspension instead of uh, leaf springs. Uh, you can still get leaf springs on certain optioned ones because they know that people might want that. But uh, they have, uh, you know, revised the suspension. They revised the frame. It's, it goes to a full box frame now instead of a C-channel frame. It, it does some interesting stuff that's good. Good for rigidity, good for durability. Um, and then the drivetrain is uh, also interesting. So they ditched the V6, which a lot of people might say, oh, they ditched the V6, that sucks. Well, yes, it does, but also the Tundra, which came out uh, last year, the new Tundra, ditched the V8 for a V6. So we're seeing the same thing here. Toyota's ditching the V6 for an inline four that's available on all of the options, but it's a turbo inline four, and it kind of makes more power than the V6 did in, in many ways. So... <laughs> Um, and, and it makes a lot of, it makes a good amount of torque. I, I've mentioned this before on the show. Uh, you know, I think months back I was talking about the new Bronco and how I would option one out. Well, I, you know, when you look at it, yeah, everyone wants the twin turbo V6 and all of that, but the, the turbo four cylinder, because of how they're able to tune things with the size of the turbo, when the boost comes in, all these different things, they're able to get good not only good performance out of it, good top-end performance as we associate with four-cylinder turbos, they were able to get good low-end and mid-range torque with how they are developing their system to work with the turbo and all of this stuff. That boost comes in early, makes that low-end torque nice and early, makes it feel punchier, makes it feel like a bigger displacement engine, not just a high-revving four-cylinder with a really peaky high horsepower number, but no torque in the in the bottom end, you know, a lot like, <laughs> a lot like my S2000. There's Torque is like kind of a figurative uh, thing there. So Toyota's doing this. So here's what they've got. The base model's got a 2.4 liter. They all use the same 2.4 liter engine, and then they do a couple of different things. But you can get the 2.4 liter. It's 228 horsepower, 243 pound-feet of torque. Um, and then you can also get the uh, iForce 2.4 liter turbo with a manual, which is, uh, this is the slightly higher trim. This is a 270 horsepower rating, 310 pound-feet of torque. And they're able to get this torque to come in really, really low as well, they say. Now, they haven't released all of the specs, but they say... A lot of this torque comes in under 2,000 RPM, which if you're bringing in the majority of that torque way down low, it's going to feel like a truck engine. It's not going to feel like, oh, it's the four-cylinder option. It's it's kind of anemic and slow, and there's no... no. It, this is probably going to feel in its power delivery a lot like the V6. Yeah, it makes a four-cylinder noise, but it's a boosted four-cylinder noise, which, I mean, that's cool. Uh, what's also interesting, you can so you can get that 270 horsepower with the six-speed manual. Uh, the automatic is 278 horsepower with a eight-speed auto, which a lot of folks... Uh, I have friends who own Tacomas and who own the automatics. Uh, I wouldn't know anything about owning the automatic Tacoma because mine's a manual, but uh, I, spent a, I spent a long time actually looking for a manual one with the options I wanted and used and in a good price range. The manual ones are hard to come by, but it's amazing to see that Toyota has stuck with it. They haven't done what all of the other manufacturers have done. They have kept the manual because they know why Tacoma buyers buy Tacomas. I mean, really, they, uh, Toyota understands their audience. They do. They understand their demographic. And this is not just in the truck world. This is in the, you know, economy car world, too, but also the sports car world. You know, you look at stuff with the, the GR86 and the Supra and things like that. The Supra didn't have a manual, and everyone complained. Everyone complained. Um, and Toyota actually listened to its 
to its consumer base, which is incredible. You don't see auto manufacturers doing that. Toyota brought a manual to the Supra. If they took the manual away from the Tacoma, yes, the manual sales are a smaller portion of their overall sales, but the manual owners are going to that Tacoma because it's the last small truck on the market that actually offers a manual in something other than just the base trim. You know, you can get the good trims still with the manual. And for me, I want to occasionally tow my my car to the track with my trailer. The Tacoma with the manual was the way to do it. I was looking at other things like the Jeep Gladiator, and for one, they were out of my budget. I wanted a used Tacoma. I didn't want a new Tacoma. But, you know, things like the Gladiator, well, you lost the leading class, you know, towing capacity if you optioned the manual, you got like 3,700 pounds as opposed to 7,000 pounds. That's a big difference. The Tacoma, I really didn't lose much. It it was a couple hundred pound difference from the automatic to the manual, and that was perfect for me, and that's why I went with it. Toyota gets this. That's why they're keeping the manual in the new Tacoma. Uh, it also offers a hybrid thing, too. Toyota's going that way. That hybrid, by the way, makes 326 pound-feet of torque, or sorry, horsepower with 465 pound-feet of torque. So, yeah, we're seeing more of that hybrid stuff. They revised some other things. We'll continue this here on the other side of the break. I'll tell you more about it as well as uh, how street takeovers are maybe going a little too far. That's right here. Got a hot ride? Let everyone hear that horsepower on the Automotive ADHD Show. Just head on to Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD, leave a like, and submit your car sounds. Best of all, get a special as heard on the Automotive ADHD Show sticker when you participate through the month of April. Show us what you got at Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD and rev those engines up for the world to hear. <laughs> All right, here we are rocking it for the third half of the Automotive ADHD show. No, it's the fourth half. I got to count right. <laughs> Matt West here, hanging out with you. And uh, we're talking a lot of cars. Oh, man, all sorts of fun stuff here. And uh, we're talking about the new Tacoma. Yeah, the new Tacoma. Uh, new for after however many years Toyota does it. I was just explaining in that last segment how Toyota is pretty conservative uh, on how they build things and then how long they keep models around. We were talking about the engine. We were talking about uh, at the end of the break there, there was uh, the hybrid uh, four-cylinder version of it is is interesting because I think a lot of these different manufacturers are going to hybrids. They're doing a lot of stuff like that, which, yeah, I get it. I get why they're doing it. I definitely do. But um, I, I will say it's cool to see that. Uh, I mean, maybe if you want your small pickup to get a little bit more gas mileage, that's cool. Uh, it's not as big of a concern for me uh, personally, but it's one of those things I can see why consumers want it. I can also see why Toyota as a manufacturer is doing it. They have certain requirements they have to meet. They have, uh, you know, have to do stuff like that. Um, now, my only complaint is no one's figured out how to do these hybrid powertrains yet with a manual. So if you option for the manual or the hybrid Tacoma, the 2024 Tacoma, you do lose the manual. You get that eight-speed auto because it has to work with all the hybrid stuff. I get it. There's technical reasons why this exists. I think we should work around those because a hybrid manual would be really cool. I'm just saying, but... You know, oh well, oh well, can't, can't can't have it all. The fact that we get a manual at all in this thing is really cool. Um, 
And there are some neat other things with this new Tacoma, um, which they, like I said, they've completely redesigned it. It looks a lot like the new Tundra, just scaled down. It takes every little design cue from the new Tundra, even when it comes to the interior and some of this other stuff. It's just a shrunk Tundra. It, it, but you know what? That's good. That's good. And they also have some neat trims. You've got the uh, the TRD Pro, you know, the cool off-roady one that we're already familiar with and it comes with all sorts of good off-roady things but then they added a new trim here called the trail hunter which is a cool name i like that trail hunter but uh this is specifically a tacoma that is geared towards overlanders overland off-roading which i swear every guy who has a tacoma uh pretty much overlands them. I know that's not 100% true, but gosh, I see you see a lot more guys overlanding Tacomas than you do Jeeps and other things, and for a good reason, because there's space, there's room for stuff. <laughs> there's room for your rooftop tent. You can put a rack on the bed, you can do all these different things, and there are modifications you have to make to accommodate that extra weight. Uh, it's really common in the Tacoma world to put, you know, uh, heavy-duty springs and stuff in the rear and do some other things to accommodate for the all the weight you're putting in the back and keeping in the back, uh, which the Trail Hunter model is specifically designed to do that. And you can also get the Trail Hunter model. Um, uh, they, they The one they're showing in a lot of their press stuff comes with the... Uh, the full cab, so four four doors, but also the six-foot bed. Most of the Tacomas you'll see will be the four-door with the five-foot bed, and uh, and this comes with a longer bed, more space, but also they went to the aftermarket to get things like uh, Old Man Emu suspension, which if you're not in the aftermarket uh, four-wheeling world, uh, that's really popular uh, in places like Australia and stuff like that. A lot of off-roaders around the world know it, but I feel like it's more popular in those sort of places. Also, uh, ARB bumpers and things like that, that's really popular in Australia. So they, they really took some of the aftermarket and brought some of their Toyota R&D to it to build this this Trail Hunter uh, Tacoma. And I think that's really cool. I like that. Uh, I think it's cool when you see stuff like that. They give you these neat options. They give you this cool, you know, cargo rack on the roof. They give you all sorts of stuff. I, I think it's really neat. And that's just going back to the looking back at this from afar again. You know, Toyota listens to their customers. They do that. I think they do that better than perhaps any other uh, auto manufacturer. So <laughs> I know, I know it's it's one of those things that, you know, I jokingly say, hey, Toyota's the best. Toyota's the best. Yeah, when in doubt, get a Toyota. But gosh, they just seem to make decent vehicles. And now I know that every car has its problems. I get that. Um, Toyotas seem to just you know, at least they understand why people buy their products and then they try to sell to people who buy their products because guess what? That means people buy your products. Makes sense. You make money. It works out good. I don't know why other manufacturers don't necessarily uh, pick up on that. And uh, now I do have to do a, a hat tip here to uh, Car and Driver. Um, Andrew uh, Crock from there compared the new Tacoma with uh, the new... Uh, with all the, the the Ford Ranger and the Chevy Colorado, the other small trucks on the market. And uh, the Tacoma, what you'll find when you look through this, is not class-leading in really anything in terms of actual specs on paper. Uh, it really gets beat out by things like the uh, 
like like the the new Colorado. Like I mean, the new Colorado. I mean, is rocking a, a great towing capacity. It's doing all these different things. Um, and so is the the Ranger. Uh, you know, and uh, so yeah, this is one of those things that. I think, uh, you know, for instance, the Colorado, going back to towing, that tows 7,700 pounds for a, quote, small truck. That's really good. I mean, you know, that, that's, that's, all, that's, that's a great amount of towing capacity. The Tacoma, on the other hand, uh, they've only really released the numbers for the automatic res of right now, but it's 6,500 pounds. And same with power, less power. Uh, less towing, all these things. And you might say, well, that's a bad thing. It's slow. It's, you know, got less power. It's got less torque. It tows less. It does all of these things less. Why is it, you know, good? Uh, and, you know, obviously, if you're chasing those peak numbers, yeah, that might not be the best truck for you. But that goes back to the point of what Toyota does with these things. Uh, and that's reliability. That's uh, usability. That's all these different you know, things that Toyota considers before they release a product to market. Uh, I think that they definitely get that R&D. They do as much of it as they can. That's for sure. There's no shortage of that. Uh, and I'm not saying Chevy doesn't. I'm not saying these other manufacturers don't. That just seems to be the main focus um, when it comes to Toyota lately. So I don't know. I like it. I like it. I could gush over the new Tacoma. I think the looks of it are kind of eh. Like it's an okay looking truck. Uh, I kind of think the old one looked a little better, but the new one looks good. The new one looks good. I think we're, we're moving into an era of design and stuff um, that, uh, that that's really angular and really, I mean, we've been there for a while, but even with like trucks and other things and all this stuff now, and it, there's going to be a defined design kind of language for this next decade of cars. And I think the Tacoma's moving into that. Love it or hate it, it's okay. It's okay, in my opinion. So a uh, couple more topics I got I to gotta hit here because uh, I, got a, <laughs> I got a flight to catch. We're running out of time. It's been really fun doing this uh, show here on the road, though. Really been enjoying this so far. Um, in uh, Oakland, okay, so check this out. Uh, there was a video circulating around the internet um, a little bit ago. And it was at a street takeover where there was, it was just a really rowdy street takeover. If you're familiar with the street takeover premise, it's where it's not even street racing anymore. It's just not. It's, it's like a just, think of it like a riot without anything that anyone's actually like protesting or something, right? Like that's the best way. That is truly the best way I can describe that. Uh, you, it's just chaos. It's just pure chaos for no good reason. It's cars doing donuts in the middle of intersections. It's people doing burnouts, stopping traffic. It's uh, huge crowds of people getting really close to other people doing donuts. It's just, it's chaotic. And these street takeovers, I think, are a real big issue. And that's why I want to take time on the show to talk about them, because they they are one of these things that uh, is just, I don't know. I mean, you have to look at what's happening now. You have to look at, you know, what young people now are doing. And, you you know, we've had street racing for a long time. But again, this is just, it's a lot more than street racing at night. It's people who are doing, I would say a lot of this stuff is fueled by um, social media culture. It's, it's 
you know, fueled by people searching for so-called internet clout, you know, being at these events, doing these really rowdy things, and it's really bad overall for the car community. It, it is terrible for the car community, no less. Uh, it is actively bad. That's why I, I take time on the show when it comes up to talk about it and denounce it, because, you know, this, this one in Oakland, I mean, it showed the video that went viral showed uh, people, there was a burning car, it was a burning Miata, but it was like a, it was a newer Miata, it was like an ND generation Miata on fire, so that's a nice newer car, by the way, that's, that's definitely not cheap, um, and then someone with a Subaru uh, ramming it for some reason, the car was on fire, and it's like the person with the Subaru was trying to ram it to push it somewhere else, but they weren't ramming it anywhere, they were just like ramming it into the curb, and then destroying their car in the process. It was really strange. I don't understand what was going through the mindset of these people. Also, if there's just a car on fire, why are you doing anything with it? Just get the hell away from it. Why are you doing anything trying to push it somewhere? It was not near anything that seemed to be uh, of concern. But then again, people who go to these street takeovers don't necessarily do rational things. Um, and the uh, the video here was just it's just weird, right? But this happens all across the country. I mean, these street takeovers have become infamous. I've even heard about them happening in small towns and places where where I am. You know, I've heard about that happening too. Um, and it's just it, it paints a really bad picture for automotive enthusiasts as a whole because this is why. People, when they hear about the EPA trying to regulate stuff, trying to regulate our race cars, trying to do these different things, or, or different, not even the EPA, on the smaller level, the city councils trying to regulate more things for, you know, more restrictive stuff for exhausts on cars and all these different things, things that we hate as car enthusiasts, you know, policy and stuff that we don't want to see. And it keeps happening. Well, it keeps happening because of dumb stuff like street takeovers. And it keeps being allowed to happen because these street takeovers happen. People, you know, who aren't in the automotive world, who aren't fans of cars in some way or another, they just see this as a nuisance. They see these people as public menaces, no less. And and then they go to their city council. And when the city council brings up a topic about regulating something related to cars, well, they don't they don't voice their opinions against it because they see it as a problem, even though the problem is the minority. Very much the problem is the minority. It's not happening all the time and everywhere. It's just thanks to phones and social media and cameras on everything. We see it everywhere. Um, and, and so we see it often, we see it regularly. It seems like more of a problem than it is, but that influences how people, you know, uh, voice their opinions to their representatives and things like that, that affects all of that. So, you know, and that affects it on the small town scale to the big city scale to the national scale, even with the EPA. We've talked about on this show, you know, things relating to the EPA and regulations about that, that adversely affect, and maybe even, I would say, downright target car enthusiasts without any other actual sensible environmental benefit whatsoever. But that being said, that happens because not, I won't say entirely because of street takeovers, that wouldn't be accurate, but the street takeovers and the street chaos does nothing does precisely nothing to help with that. If anything, it makes it harder for the people who are actively trying to fight to keep our race cars, to keep our cars fun, and do it do so in a legal way. It completely detracts from that. And I don't this is one of those things that I think it's accelerated by social media culture. It's done by all of these things. And I think, you know, next time 
you look at street takeovers and things like that, you know, consider voicing your opinion against them. But, you know, make sure people understand that as car enthusiasts, we're we're not all like that. We're not all like they are. The street takeovers are just a very visible minority. But they say, you know, that's the the old adage that the squeaky wheel gets gets the grease. Right. So but in this case. Uh, we're all getting the grease, and we don't need it. But anyway, hey, uh, I, I know I got didn't get to a couple of topics here. This show flew by. So, hey, stick around next week. We'll go in some more depth on a few other things and maybe have some more fun guests on the show. you got to stay tuned for that. Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD is where you interact with the show. You can become a member of the Speed Council as well. Details there and share your thoughts right there. And uh, now I will see you right here, same time, same place next week when uh, maybe I won't be in a hotel room. I might be back in the uh, greasy, disorganized (laughs) garage. Uh, Either that or the the Mickey Mouse police will come uh, take me away here any minute because I I don't know. We'll see. We'll (laughs) we'll see what happens. So uh, I'll see you next week right here.